When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Action fanatics, welcome to another edition of the Bulletproof Podcast. I am your host, Chris the Brain. Joining me, as always, my co-host, Chad Cruz. And Chad, today we are going to be remembering a legend. A legend, an icon, uh, w- one of the guys who kind of made this site possible, who who helped develop the genre that, that we all love, that we watch just on a consistent basis. And the guy we're talking about is Bruce Lee. And joining us in the guest chair, a legend in his own mind, the real Todd Gaines is back. RTG, welcome back to the show. Hey, Chris, Chad. And you know, without Bruce Lee, we never would have had Ricky the Dragon Steamboat or Don the Dragon Wilson. Nice. Great points. Great Wonderful points. references. I, I, I appreciate those and I agree with those. Yes. I mean, obviously, I mean... Yeah, the Ricky Steamboat thing is kind of odd because obviously this was over a decade after Bruce Lee had passed away. But uh, yeah, obviously he was the inspiration and uh, and the ninja craze that was going on at the time. But just wait until Vince McMahon watches Napoleon Dynamite. We're gonna get like some. There's gonna be some wrestler with uh, a Napoleon Dynamite gimmick. Or maybe uh, Pedro Morales will make a return. I don't know. There you go. I don't know. But uh, before we get into our Bruce Lee tribute here, let's talk about BulletproofAction.com, the official website of the Bulletproof podcast. And uh, we're nearing that seven-year mark, Chad. We're getting closer and closer. Uh, But a lot of great things on there each and every day. RTG, anything you got uh, coming up? that you're excited about. I know you, you know, you usually have something in your back pocket. Yes. I think we got a gunpowder milkshake coming up. Also have the uh, conclusion to the fear street trilogy. Uh, also have a Bruce Willis review. Uh, with, oh God. People are, are really, yeah. And, yeah. and this would have, by the time this airs, yeah, we would have already done our last fear street. We would have had our, Amazing Bruce Willis movie that, that I know Jim Chad King. I know yes. Yes. Yeah. The out of death. Yes. Is, yes. Yes. Yeah. I cannot yeah. wait for everyone to read that review. I put out a feeler to brain and I said, I see this movie is coming out. I have I may have access to it if I want it, but 
please tell me RTG is covering this thing because I don't want any part of it. And fortunately for you, yes. RTG did uh, did already cover it. He, it was already sitting in my inbox waiting to be uh, posted on the site. So yeah, that all went up last week as you are hearing this. But yeah, next week as we are recording this, if you want to have a peek behind the curtain. But uh, yeah, we've got, uh, you know, and then August is coming and uh, that's Actionversary Month. And we've got some big things planned Ooh. for that. So definitely stay tuned. Definitely check it out each and every day. BulletproofAction.com. Always something new on the site. And, and if I can jump in here real quick. Please Brain, do. It, it reminds me that just because you haven't seen a film doesn't mean you can't read a post about it. Uh, and I typically had, hadn't done this in the past. If I haven't seen a movie, I might not go on and read a review or I may not go on and, and read someone's comments about it. But like this Bruce Willis movie that, that will have just been posted in the last several days, I have not watched it. I was kind of on the fence whether I wanted to watch it. You know, Bruce, Lee's, Bruce Willis is a legend, but I, I don't want to watch. It looked terrible. Not going to lie. So, but now I have the option to to go and read RTG's review about it and uh, remind myself why I didn't want to watch it in the first place. This most likely was going to happen. So it can save me the hour and 30 minutes of watching it in about eight minutes of reading his post. And to me, that that's a, that's a big, that's a big uh, help. Well, yeah, if you're on the fence about a movie, I mean, and that's usually when I would check out a review. Yeah. Is if I'm on the fence and it's like, okay, you know, and, and I, I yeah. get the, you, there's action movies, but we try not to put too many spoilers in the brand new movies. If we're covering something from 20 years ago, I mean, yeah. reveal all and it, that's your problem. But yeah. the newer <laughs> ones, I try to hold back on a little bit. I know RTG definitely does. RTG's uh, the uh, king of vagueness when it comes to any new right review any movie because i don't want to I, I want you to click on our post and i don't want you to be spoiled and i want you to just be able to hey get an idea of what it's going to be like and, and i'm not going to give anything away just that's just my style right i try not to give anything more away than would be in the trailer which well sometimes right. it does give everything away but uh yeah like if you've seen the trailer and read one of my reviews of a newer movie you're probably going to know the same information Right. And, and I, the reason I brought this up was because I, I had seen a comment on the site recently. Someone had read a post I had written like six years ago and, and he was like, I'm six years late re responding to this post, but you hit the nail on the head with this. This movie was terrible. And I wanted to say, I'm sorry I wasn't there for you before you watched it. Right. But you should have been reading the site. So it's your own damn fault. Well, that's true. That's a great right? point. If he, had, if he had read yeah. this when I wrote it or at any point in between, he would have never watched it because because I don't lie. And that would have been for the Often. 25th Reich, I believe. Was the, it was. You know, yes. too, you know, like my wish and what I'd love to see the site, and I think Brain and Chad, you will agree with me, is just I want people just to visit our site daily to see, hey, because we're going to have new content every day. Just click on the site take a few minutes out of your day and see what we have. Cause we're one of the only sites that's going to actually have real content each day reviews. You may have stuff you don't know. We're not going to do any of that clickbait shit that some other sites might do, you know, just, just something to have a post. It's like everything we do is going to be value added to an action lover. So that's just my sales pitch. That's a good point. I mean, definitely, uh, yeah, definitely some work is done to each and every post. It's not just yeah. copy and paste a news story. Yeah. How many 
posts about Van Damme's hairstyles are going to find on other exactly. action And that's the other thing, obviously, as I said, nearly seven years, we've got seven years of archive. So if you just discovered the site, there's plenty you can go back and look on. And uh, we've got some stuff coming up in uh, August that may uh, help you navigate the archives a little and, bit easier. And, an, and another thing, guys, is, is, you know, we tend to stay away from some big films just because it's like, like a, like a predator. Like, could you actually mm-hmm. sit down and write a review for Predator, Chad Cruz? Um, you know, I I could I could write something about it, but it would be so biased. You know what I mean? It'd, it'd be like trying to write, uh, you know, uh, to to try and review something or or talk about like your children, right? Right. Like, I love I love right. that so much. Like, it's going to yeah. be hard for me to like sit there and criticize my my family or my kids or what have you. So. Yeah, I mean, I could write something, but you're going to read it and instantly be like, okay, this guy, I can't take anything he says seriously. Yeah, I mean, I guess you could let me review it because then I'd start blasting and after everybody dies. But that's for another discussion. But I mean, that's the, that's the thing is like we stay away from some of the big ones. And even like today, I was like, it's Enter the Dragon. This is a huge film. So I think, but at the same time, it's very important to talk about because of the legacy of Bruce Bruce Lee. I was about to call him Bruce Willis. Oh my Please God. Don't. Right. Oh. I know, right? I know, right? Let's, he, let's get yes, it. Yes, that is what we are going to be discussing here. Enter the Dragon. Um, and this one came out August 19th, 1973. One month prior to it, though, uh, Bruce Lee passed away July 20th, 1973. And it happens to be July 20th as this podcast is dropping. So we are on the anniversary of Bruce Lee's death. But, you know, we don't want to be depressed here on the show. We're going to talk about Too late. His, his greatest cinematic accomplishment, Chad. Yes. Yeah. And, and it is. Maybe it's not his best film. Maybe it is to some people. To me, it's not. Uh, but uh, it's a fantastic film. It opened a lot of doors. It introduced so many people to a, a brand new type of film, uh, to this amazing actor and martial arts star. And, uh, and, you know, blink your a blink of an eye and he was gone. And it almost added to kind of like that mystique about him. Like, my God, look how amazing this dude is. And then, you know, snap of the fingers, he's gone. Yeah. I mean, it was really groundbreaking because you had Hollywood cooperating with Hong Kong, basically, and, and coming together to create this this martial arts masterpiece. And yeah, like you said, it, you, you may not consider it the best Bruce Lee movie, but it's certainly the most influential and yeah. his biggest movie for sure. And it's RTG, it kicks off uh, with a, another guy who would go on to be famous because we get old Bruce Lee taking on Sammo Hung and they're both in some black Speedos. Yeah, and, I mean, and it's an interesting way to kick things off. I mean, what a way to start out a movie, right? Like Sammo Hung, who... It's probably weighing about 200 pounds less than he is today yeah. versus the uh, the legend Bruce Lee in Speedos as they give a nice little fight and Bruce Lee kicks his ass and he makes them tap out. So it's almost this is like he's wearing wrestling trunks, like tight wrestling trunks or almost right. they even even have like an MMA fight. Like I think right now, uh, like like a Conor McGregor versus I'm not comparing Conor McGregor to any, either of these guys, but. I mean, none of these guys would be doing MMA right now if it probably wasn't for right. Bruce Lee. I mean, I mean yeah, Bruce definitely. Lee. I mean, this his uh, style, man, has influenced so many fighters over the years. Yeah, they had the gloves on, kind of MMA yeah. style gloves. Yeah. Yeah, and the first fifteen minutes of this film is essentially just a 
you know, hey, Bruce, what do you want to do in the first, the beginning of this movie? How are we going to introduce the public, you know, at large to Bruce Lee, you know, the, his fighting style, he's punching, he's kicking, he's, he's using yep. uh, joint manipulation. He's like, uh, he's throwing, doing like judo throws. He's, he's got like every tool in the book. And I think that uh, this very short exhibition fight with Sammo Hung, like it really shows uh, to, to the, like the extent of his abilities, like, he, he, he's not just like a guy who's going to do a bunch of flips and, and kick you or, or just wrestle you to the ground and tap you out. He can do pretty much anything. And he can do it lightning fast too. Yes. His speed. I mean, he's just so fast. There's, there's no one that's ever going to match his quickness in, in my opinion. Just... Well, and that's something that's been talked about in the past. Like he had to actually slow down his style for the camera. Right. Like That's if it crazy. was an actual fight, if you you wouldn't stand a chance. Uh, so Bruce Lee plays Lee, which oh. is uh, very interesting. And he's a disciple of Shaolin. As a matter of fact, this whole fight scene, this little exhibition takes place at the Shaolin temple, supposedly. Uh, and, you know, when he's not doing the Shaolin thing, I guess he's some sort of government operative or some such thing. Chad, is that what you took away from this? You know, when I was young, I didn't care. Right. Uh, you know, I, I just watched it and loved it. I, I kind of like thought when I was a kid that he was like James Bond kind of look like yeah. a, one of those kind of situations. But having rewatched it, I, I don't think he was. I think he was just a he he was in the in the right place at the right time. He was a Shaolin disciple. He was had an invitation to this tournament. And. Yeah. It just so happened that, you know, the guy we're going to talk about later, Han, uh, was also a Shaolin guy. And Lee had the greatest opportunity to kind of infiltrate and take him out. So I don't know if he had done other missions in the past. I didn't kind of think that he had, but I don't know. I could be wrong. Yeah, I, it's I'm kind of torn because then but then he's got the whole I don't know what the rope and it, like that. I don't know. Like he seemed like he did some recon work in the past, but maybe yeah. it's just uh, his natural abilities. I don't know. Maybe he's just an absolute badass. Right. And and that's really the thing. And that's what we find. Uh, well, that we have a Braithwaite who's watching this whole yeah. thing and he's definitely uh, got his eye on Lee uh, and has an idea for him. But before we get to the conversation with Braithwaite, Lee talks to the abbot um, and they're they're just kind of discussing philosophy and the Shaolin commandments. No, Chad, did you you recognize this abbot from any other film? No, I don't. You don't? No, I wasn't paying attention that that it closely. Was, it was Roy Chow who plays Shidoshi Tanaka. Really, in Bloodsport and Holy Lao Shea in uh, Indiana Jones Temple of Doom. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I honestly wouldn't. Uh, I, I told you where I watched this recently and. And I was kind of like in and out of the room a lot. And uh, I didn't even pay that close of attention. That's awesome. That's yeah. a cool little fun fact there. Yeah. So, yeah, we got two uh, Bloodsport guys in this awesome. movie. Um, yeah, I, I had forgotten about it. I knew about it, but when I rewatch, I'm like, oh, yeah, Shidoshi Tanaka's in this thing. So, yes. Um, and then now, RTG, that's when, uh, well, uh, the abbot tells him about the rogue Shaolin monk named Han. But now Braithwaite wants to talk to Lee about Han as well. Yeah, it looks like uh, old Braithwaite has a job for uh, Lee, you know, and he, he, and he knows it, uh, what, uh, it's a tournament, right? I mean, just he's right. trying to recruit him. He, he's, he's, he's hiding in the damn woods, and he's watching him. And then 
he also sees Bruce Lee uh, or Lee, excuse me, talking to the little to the little kid, teaching him a little uh, was that like a little wax on wax off lesson? Yeah, he's he's giving him his you know his Dao Jeet Kune Do speech. Like he's he's really getting all his shit in in, in wrestling terms. And it would have been fighting and uh, you know the philosophy. It would have been awesome if that little kid would have been uh, Brandon, Brandon Lee. If Brandon Lee was old enough to play that yeah. kid, that he was just you know just a little bit too young for that uh, part. But uh, old Braithwaite definitely knows that he's got the right guy for the job, and, and I think we also know that Lee has some uh, ulterior motives to get into. Right, the reason why he wants to go here to this tournament, right? Well, yeah, I think it yeah. it seemed to me like he wasn't going to go, but then, you know, now with, yeah. the, with the Abbott telling him and Braithwaite telling him with this, yeah. this whole he's, thing. With he's the, all about honor. Like, it's, it's the yeah. honor. It's the disgrace for, of the temple or the, yeah, Sh- the Ab- temple. Yeah. Abbott's giving him all kinds of, you know, foreshadowing things. That's, you know what I mean? Like, if you sit here and listen to him, like, like oh, yeah, that's going to come into play later. And then, you know, Braithwaite, he works for some sort of uh, a British uh I don't know, government group. I don't, it's not like MI6, but it's something. We'll call they, they don't we'll call do my five. Yeah. They don't seem to like directly do anything. They're no. just kind of there to get the oh, ball rolling for. Something. Right. It's like an intelligence group. He says, he's like, Oh, we can't like come in with, with guns, but we, we just get intelligence and we call somebody. So uh, like you said, Lee isn't all about going at first, but then, you know, they talk about Han who's, who's holding this martial arts tournament. And he was a former Shaolin disciple now he's a, a, a serious bad dude, and he's kind of like building up the idea of this this tournament that Lee has gotten an invitation to, and it didn't seem like he was going to take it at first, but but now kind of the pieces are falling in place to where he can go to it and and maybe take down this bad guy at the same time. How do you think Han like figured out who to invite? I mean, because we didn't have internet back then, so you didn't yeah. have internet back then. <laughs> I wasn't even born then back then. Dog. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't born, so yeah, it's like he, he couldn't watch like YouTube videos. And no, go, oh, that guy's no. very impressive. Let's let's reach out to him. No, I don't know. That's a great question, RTG. I guess it was just, yeah, especially like I mean, if these guys competed in other tournaments, you could see, but I don't think Lee was competing anywhere. He was right, just, but you know, if you're the top student at the Shaolin Temple, right? Yeah, I and that could be that, Han might still Han might still have some old contacts in the old Shaolin yeah. community. Very good. That, that's probably it. Uh, then we get the the opening credits. So all this has happened. We haven't even got our opening credits yet, and right. that funky music hits, Chad. Oh and yeah, this is a, an incredible score. That's that get down music. And don't you always talk about that? The get down music. Yeah. Sure. All the, the music, time. The music you get down to. You better believe it. I. That's I dance, what she said. I dance like Vince McMahon down here, and I just <laughs> I can't control myself. Yeah, it's one of those scores that kind of like hangs with you, and and that every movie after this would try to to uh, to recreate in a certain way. Um, and, and the visuals of the opening credits is cool too, because you're getting such a cool glimpse of Hong Kong. Which at the time, you know, people who are watching this movie are mainstream audiences who have no damn idea what Hong Kong is, and and it looks so much different now too. If you were to think about it in '73 and then 2021, it's so much different now, but. Um, then it was like, uh, I don't know, like this, a place on the opposite side of the world that you never even thought about. And it looks so cool on screen. 
And I've actually watched some Bruce Poitation movies where they directly take the music. Uh, yeah. So they're not just inspired. They just yeah. straight up steal it and put it in their movie. So yeah, Lalo Schifrin, incredible uh, work there. You, uh, not only Bruce, uh, Bruce Poitation, but black exploitation films as well. Oh, hell yeah. Uh, yeah, they're going to they're, they're gonna copy this uh, score or, or similar sounding scores. Either the Shaft score or this score or a combination of both. So this is a very influential score for many years to come in many movies. And this is also when we start getting our first look at the other two main, I guess we would call them the protagonist in this thing. You got Williams, Jim Kelly, and Roper, John Saxon, as we kind of see them arriving in Hong Kong. Now you uh, brought up an interesting point, Chad Cruz, in one of your uh, articles that you wrote for BulletproofAction.com, that... Uh, John Saxon was not necessarily the first choice to play Roper. No, he was not. Uh, in fact, recently departed, recently deceased William Smith um, was, was kind of handpicked by Bruce Lee to play the part. Um, and they just couldn't get the schedules to work out. You know, he, he's done like 10,000 movies. Right. So uh, his schedule wouldn't allow him to do this film. So John Saxon kind of swooped in and took on the role. And I would just, why we brought this article up, the legendary manliness of William Smith. Yes. Uh, I don't know what's up with the comments on that uh, post. <laughs> I know. I don't know if you, did you see the ones from today? Uh, like is somebody so. else is like attacking you for, and all you said was, all you did was humor the guy who like questioned it. And you said, I mean, the article is a pro William Smith all the way. Yes. Very I mean, pro. the freaking title is the legendary manliness of William Smith. It's not like William Smith was a fake ass pussy. It's not, that's not yeah. the name of it. It was the legendary manliness of William Smith. And yeah, the one, there was one comment on there from some time ago where the guy was like, I think it's all BS. You said, well, maybe, but I want to believe. So yes, and, but there's still people now, obviously, because it's got some more attention because of, as you said, unfortunately, we just recently lost William Smith and yeah, people attacking People are calling me out for writing a post, just praising Paying tribute, this guy. yeah. Paying, Paying tribute, praising this guy. He was alive when I wrote it. Uh, right. It was his birthday, I believe, if, when you posted it. Yeah, he would have kicked my ass if he had read it and I'd talk, you know, if I'd talk smack about him, um, even at 83 years old, probably. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I, don't, I, never, I never understood that. I read some of those comments. I'm like, what are these people talking yeah. about? Yeah, I noticed a bunch of them just before we. Uh, got on on this uh, podcast and i'm like i don't get it i can't wait to go back and read them yeah i'm sure you'll be very excited (laughs) and you guys know that um jim kelly was not the first choice either oh who was it okay his name is a rockney uh, tarkington you might know him from ice pirates or a black samson actually too he played samson in black samson he was actually filming for about three days and then he said fuck this shit and quit (laughs) because the pay was too low Dang. Well, that'll yeah. happen. And you had Jim Kelly, who is, you know, obviously used this as a springboard to kind yep. of start his own uh, kung fu movie career. Yeah. All right. So while uh, Williams and Roper are arriving in Hong Kong, Braithwaite and uh, Lee are now having an official meeting. We've got like a slideshow or film. Uh, we find out kind of about Han and this island where Han operates and where the tournament will take place. Uh, there's a martial arts school. We are introduced to Han's bodyguard, O'Hara, played by Bob Wall. Um, there's 
some sort of illegal activities, at least skin trafficking. There might be yeah. more going on in the island, and we'll find out. Yeah. And we also learned, Chad, that they sent, they've already sent in a female agent, Mei Ling. But yeah. uh, she's nowhere to, she's out of touch now, out of contact. Right. She, she infiltrated the island, and uh, once she got there, they've lost touch with her. So you can, you know, you can assume, you can guess that, that Lee will try to make contact with her at some point. If if she's even still alive. We if she is alive. We but don't know yet. We don't know yet. Uh, the annual tournament uh, is really Han's only contact with the outside world. So that goes back to RTG's uh, question is how the hell did he find these guys? Yeah, but he I did every he three years. Talent scouts. I would think maybe he has talent scouts too that go out. I think so. If you remember uh, the quest, Jean-Claude Van Damme's The Quest, uh, you know, they have these guys that that roll around, they hand you this big scroll that invites you to this tournament. I kind of think that's what Hans was like, was he has, you know, he's got this massive network of of illegal trafficking people and drug people or whatever else he does. And uh, he's got his kind of ear to the to the ground listening for uh, great martial artists. So he sends out these these people and these invitations. That's how I see it anyways. And we also find out that, you know, and, and to Lee's credit, he's like, well, why don't you just go in there and shoot him? Yeah. You know, like we know he's a bad guy. Why don't we just send in a bunch of guys and, you know, yeah. SEAL team or something and just get rid of these guys. Uh, but uh, we find out no guns aren't permitted. And obviously, you know, Hans Island is uh, you've got some quite some security there. So you're not going to sneak a gun in. Um, and But basically the other thing is, you know, they think they know this RTG, but they don't have any evidence. Yeah, they they, they, they don't. Um, so the only thing you have to do is is to go find out for yourself. Find out for yourself and get to the radio room. It's yeah. funny because we did the podcast with Michael Wirth and in, in his film, uh, there were no guns on that island, island as well, but for a different reason. Mm. Yeah, but do you think it was inspired? I think so. Yes, yes, one hundred percent. But but you know, Bruce Lee wanted guns in this movie. I mean that that was one of the reasons that he wanted he wanted because he like loved guns. Believe it or not, I mean he was well, an I, avid it, gun collector, and so he was pissed. So that look when he's like acting like when he, when he finds out he can't have a gun, that 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 could have been real pissed offness. Because he Could wanted to use guns. And, and the yeah. other thing you got to wonder, though, is like how long was he going to be able to make just straight up kung fu movies? Like, I think he saw, you know, you, you could, there was a market to still do that, but also tie in more action elements. Dude. Right. Which, I mean, you all, know, which, which we see now. But yeah, all you know, these he was movies got made. Yeah, all these movies got made like afterwards that he was even supposed to be in, like the man from like Hong Kong when. That right. one was that was supposed to be Bruce Lee with uh, I think uh, Lansby, right? One yes. The, uh, and I mean that's that combines you know martial arts and guns and stunts and all that crazy stuff. And so just imagine, I mean, who knows how long his body could have could have lasted? But man, he could have made so many cool movies after this. And it's just oh, crazy that this is like his, you know, this is his pinnacle film, his most accessible film his most successful and accessible film. And then he's dead before it even premieres. Yeah. I mean, it's just, and that was another thing. Yeah. Another thing I was thinking about too, is like, let's just say 
this was the peak of his career. He he lives, and this is the tippy top of his career, Chad. Yeah. We got the video era coming within 10 years or less. Mm-hmm. There is no way in hell that even if like everybody's like, okay, yeah, you had your one hit, you're a one hit wonder, you're done. There is no way Cannon's not hiring this guy. Oh, yeah. I'm, There's and no way, you know, the, the, the 90s direct-to-video era, somebody wasn't going to hire this guy. And he right. would just continue working for until he died of old age, not and, unfortunately. And he would have been well within that age limit of still doing sweet action movies. Uh, you know, when, like you said, when Canon was kind of at its peak in the 80s. So, yeah, yeah. he could have he put out all kinds of, even like you said, if he had gone... If he hadn't been mainstream, if he had kind of taken a step back as a B star or C star, he still could have been putting out great action movies. Yeah, we could have still had him. I mean, he was what, nineteen forty, right? Is that the year he was born? I believe. I believe so, the yeah. year the year of the dragon, nineteen forty. So he would only be what, eighty two, eighty one, eighty two right now? Right, so, even yeah, if he became the the teacher, the mentor, yes. the, the Shidoshi himself, the, you know. the the IP man or the IP man or however y'all say it that trained right. the real life Bruce Lee, he could have, yep. he he would have been taking all of Donnie Yen's roles. <laughs> yes, yes, he could have. All right, well now we start getting to, to a series of uh, flashbacks, and we find uh we see Lee's sister, um, and he's just kind of talking to this old man. I don't know what relation he is of of them or just was a friend of the family but we find out his sister had a run-in with o'hara the bodyguard um and he's basically chad responsible for her dying yeah and and old man is telling lee about this and he had never heard this story so it, it it's kind of like you know we're learning learning about it at the same time that he is and and it's just kind of uh reinforcing the idea that lee needs to kind of go on this mission but he uh yeah, his sister's on the island, and some of Han's men are on the island, including O'Hara. They, they're super rapey, and they're like, you know, eyeing her down. <laughs> and they just start chasing her. They beat the shit out of the old man, and they start chasing her. And she kicks the crap out of him, like, for a long time. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. uh, you're, you're watching this 12-minute foot chase, and she's just beating these guys' asses for the whole time, the entirety of it. And then she gets cornered. And she uh, she picks up a piece of glass and shanks herself with it. Yeah, and she did yeah. give manage to give O'Hara his uh, signature scar though. Before I, that, I'm pretty sure the, the old man did that, right? Yeah. Oh, oh no, that's man. right. The old yeah. man yep. did. I apologize. The old man. You are correct. Yeah, he he, and he, he lived got to tell his about licks it. in. He did. Yes, he did. Yeah, so. that's the most surprising thing is that old man's still alive to tell that story because you would have thought that O'Hara would have gone back and killed him. And then the other question is, why did it take so long for the story to get told? To, to that is, I mean, yeah. Unless he was in, the, unless I mean, he was at the Shell and Temple, then I guess obviously well, you're kind I mean, of cut off from yeah. the other side. The world story well. is like very uh, sad, and because I mean she's about to get raped by O'Hare, and she kills herself. Right. Because I mean she she's right. in the corner. I mean you get that look in O'Hare's eyes, one of a of a predator, and and she knows, and so she it's almost like what. She commits uh, Sep- Sepka, whatever, Hari Carry or whatever they call it, just kills herself right there. Yeah, and then Lee, you know, he hears about the story, and then the next scene of him is going to the cemetery to kind of pay respects to his, his mother and his sister's graves. And uh, at this point, he has decided that he's, he's going to kind of take on this mission, and he's like, you wouldn't like what I'm about to do kind of thing. 
Yeah. Like, forgive me. I'm about to fuck these motherfuckers up. I mean, yeah. this is that that's the, yes, the, the translation for sure. And uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. So he already had the whole Shaolin angle going on where his, his temple was disrespected. Now he finds out this guy who works for Han is directly affected his family. So yeah, and, super motivated. And, and uh, this is also like another brain, like a uh, plot cliche we'll see in films like, you know, dead, dead sister, dead brother, kidnapped brother, you know, like sister street fighter. I mean, I can think of like a lot of films with this similar storyline. You're going to see forever and ever and ever after this too. Right. Oh yeah. A revenge tale will always work. Uh, we get our second flashback. Uh, this time we got Roper on the golf course. Um, and uh, we find out he has a bit of a gambling problem, RTG. Yeah. I mean, he's also got a hot secretary. But that's do, you, like a, do you know who she is? Uh, I, I, I recognize her. She played uh, Janet on Sanford and Son. She was Lamont's fiance for a few hey, episodes. How about that? Oh, how yeah. about that? And and so uh, Saxon's a roper. So we're going to learn his his vice early is gambling. And women. And he's not. And women. Yes. Women and gambling. And he's not. He's good at one and not good at the other he's a ladies man for sure right. but he's not he's he he's he's a whale right he, he goes big he wins big he loses big but he seems like he you know he lost his ball on the course and then he runs into these three uh enforcers and he he's, he's informed hey you owe us this much money so he gets out of there real quick and goes and talks to his uh, secretary and what he gives her about all the money he's got in his checking account, like 60 like, bucks. Yep. And she's so happy, you know, I'm saying that sarcastically, but, uh, so this gets uh, Roper to the tournament. Yeah. He's hey, got, I mean, you know, what better way to get out? Right. Yeah. He's got to get out of town and, and a recognizable face. Uh, one of the thugs who confronts him. Anybody recognize him? I did. Oh, nobody, nobody. Macaulay Culkin. No, no, it was uh, Pat E. Johnson who uh, plays mm. the referee in the Karate Kid movies. <laughs> okay, the, the very first one. What the did guy we? With the mustache. Somebody some... had too much time. What time was he in recently that we talked about? He was in something else recently that we talked I, about. He was. I don't remember. He was. I remember looking this dude up and being like, he looks super recognizable. And it was only because I'd seen the picture so many times uh, from the, Karate Kid. All yeah, Valley he's always tournament. Yep. He's, He's always in the back center. Yeah. Yep. Um, well, so yeah, Roper, back and center, I guess. Yeah. Back and to the left. Roper, he, he's into women and gambling. If he carried around a bottle of rum for most of the movie, he would be essentially just me on screen. <laughs> okay. Wow. Yeah. Well, I like him already. But, you know, a shout out to John Saxon for – because if you think about it, John Saxon's not going to be your first thought of this guy that's going to do some martial arts, but he was actually like a like a like a black belt in karate or something. I mean, some kind of martial. He had martial arts training. I mean, he wasn't just a guy planted into the film because you had, a, I guess, an an, an Asian lead, and he didn't want yeah. him carrying yeah. the film. So, I mean, even like the screen, like when you, the opening credits, it has Bruce Lee and John Saxon share the the top billing to this film but he he proves that he's actually a, a, a decent fighter i mean he's he's not a scrub you know i mean he's not just there to to be the token white guy right i mean he's right he, he i mean so hats off to him for actually 
being a guy that can fight. Hell of a jawline, too. Oh, definitely. Definitely. Okay, then we get our flashback number three, and this time it's Williams uh, getting hassled by the cops literally for no reason. Yeah. Um, just, I mean, he's just walking. He's <laughs> yeah. doing nothing. Well, at first he stops off, visits his sensei. Yeah, I guess just say goodbye. Hey, I'm going to this tournament. And uh, yeah, on his way to the airport, these cops hassle him. But he makes the most of the situation, Chad. He does. They, they're, they're, you know, the worst kind of cops you could think of. They're, like you said, they kind of hassle him, harass him for no reason. And then he whoops their asses. And then he takes their car, right. cuts the lights on, and screams down the road, which is awesome. It's a hell of a uh, lot better than walking. I mean, dude, I don't know if you've ever. I'm going to assume you haven't driven uh, a car with lights and sirens going down the road, but it is so much fun. And, okay. you, and you know, like so far in this film, uh, Jim Kelly's stealing the show so far. I mean, just that, that, that scene when he's walking in the beginning that you, you see him for a second. And like when it says introducing Jim Kelly, it, it, the, the screen just yeah. stops. And you can just see the char- charisma. Yep. And through his whole body. And then this scene right here, I mean, he's just so far, he's like, whoa. And for a lot of people, this could have been their first time seeing Jim Kelly, even though it actually technically wasn't his first film, but you know, that's okay. But he's, he's definitely making an impression so far. Yeah. This was a star again, a star making performance for him. And it's actually odd that he didn't have even a, a bigger career yeah. after this. I mean, he did yeah. obviously do some, you know, black belt Jones and right. Uh, what's the one you three, had to three, 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 the hard way or something. He did yeah. that, right? Yeah. 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 So there were, there was movies, but yeah, I think, uh, yeah, Just wasn't... He, he deserved more in my opinion. He's one of the most underrated. He's gotta be one of the most underrated, uh, martial artist actors, guys that, I mean, he's, I mean, they're not built the same, but it's like Steve James before Steve James, you know, like right. the cool, like this really cool guy. Yes. Yeah. That's, that's stealing scenes just on like his, you know, just the way he acts. So, I, I mean, I, I'm sure Steve James was influenced a little bit, at least by Jim Kelly. Yeah. I would not surprise me. Um, we find out that Roper and Kelly actually served in Vietnam together. Um, and they they have a little reunion on the boat going to Hans Island. Um, and then shortly thereafter, Chad Roper and Kelly get their first look at Lee when Roper surprisingly is gambling again. Yeah. They're like, who the hell is this guy? No one really knows who he is at this point. And then there's some, uh, I don't know, some locals or whatever on the ship that they're on. And they're, they're betting on two praying mantises. <laughs> and I was like, that's awesome. I need to do that. I've never done that before. So Roper kind of swoops in and instantly starts gambling and betting on, on one of the praying mantises, uh, Mantis, yeah. mantises, uh, but Manti. uh, and then, <laughs> and then Lee bets against him and beats him, and that's kind of like a recurring theme, yeah, throughout to, Roper's life. Yeah. I think to RTG's point, he's not very good at gambling, he sucks, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then RTG, we meet Parsons oh, from yeah. New Zealand. Oh, and god, this guy, I mean, this guy's okay, let's just he's just a racist asshole. I mean, that's the only way to describe him because he's. He's just he he's pushing around the poor little like porters or, or whatever the the right. deckhands you know like picking on people like it definitely that's not you know just he's just he's just an asshole and 
course, he's going to have a little uh, confront confrontation with old uh, Lee as well, and he'll get his uh, his comeuppance. Know, yeah, his comeuppance. Yeah, his comeuppance. Yeah, a shout out to our friends at comeuppance <laughs> reviews. Reviews. Right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Whether RTG stuff. could say the word or not, uh, <laughs> it doesn't matter. <laughs> Still a shout out to you guys. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And, and I, yes. I, I do like how he, how Bruce Lee. Let me. I mean, how Lee. What does he do? Like he just tells them to. Like, the art of fighting without yeah, fighting. The art, of fighting. the art of fighting without fighting. There you go. And he just gets the guy to go down. Like, why does? Whoa, why does whoa, what? Like Get it, dude. <laughs> whoa. Yeah, he tells him he's like, I'll fight you. But I'm not going to do it here. There's no room. Let's go to that island over here. So right. hop on this boat. Go ahead and jump on this tiny little boat. And I'll meet you over there. Whoops, I accidentally you know, let the boat out. Yeah. And then he's kind of stuck out in the middle of the sea. Yeah, he's just hang, being yeah, he dragged, dragged in the, yeah. in the dinghy. Yeah, my bad. He, he did not go down on uh, Lee. That was no, so- but, <laughs> but talk about a, uh, a swerve if he had. Yeah, that would have. Yeah. yeah, we would have. Yeah. I don't know if we'd be talking about this movie right now. <laughs> what a star um, making performance. <laughs> exactly. He really respected Bruce Lee. Okay. Uh, <laughs> let's, so the boat does eventually reach Hans, Hans Island and uh, Roper. We, he's immediately smitten with Hans personal assistant. Yeah. And, uh, and we also lust. get, Oh yeah. There's some lust in his eyes. And we also see Bolo for the first oh. time. And he has some kind of like, is it like a sweater or some kind of like, I don't know. He has an interesting shirt on, I think. It's a muscle shirt, right? I mean, just... cardigan. <laughs> yeah, but it's like, yeah, it's not like a shirt. It's like almost like a, I don't know. It's a, it's all right. Man, Bolo you, can wear whatever the hell Bolo wants to wear. You it's could probably do... hard. He probably had to get that crocheted because, I mean, the those pecs, where do you find you a shirt that fits? You could do a podcast on Bolo's nipples. You oh know, just... I could, but I don't think I'm going to. You know what? If you if you were to go to bulletproofaction.com, I'm certain that there are uh, articles based around uh, fashion, action movie fashion, and yeah. uh, I know this because I, I I'm the one who wrote those. Yeah, hmm. you're you you really think outside the box every once in a while. <laughs> it's like I was just saying how all of our posts were uh, meaningful and things you should yes. click on and. You should. <laughs> Chad's talking about fashion. So. Fashion, action, fashion, action, and fashion. hairstyles, and yep. uh, why fashion. you should name your son John, yeah. even yes. though even though he yeah. didn't, it, yeah. which is still the the irony. <laughs> <laughs> this yep. is what you should do, people, but I'm not going to do it. Yeah. Can do you say I, do as I can, say, not as I do? Classic. Can you say action, fashion five times, uh, real fast. I don't think I can. <laughs> I don't have time for that. Uh, you can't say that. some things one time. I, I, I can't. Sometimes my words just it's it's the it's the southern in me, man. I can't. So you so we get to the island, right? Yep. We're there. <laughs> We're there. Finally. There's tennis courts everywhere. Yeah. And there's dudes practicing their katas and shit out in these tennis courts. Unfortunately, um, not to uh I've got the power. No. That would have been amazing if they had, if, if somehow this, that song had been in this scene, boom, totally changes the dynamic of the film. Somebody remix uh, it on uh, YouTube. Jeff Speakman. Hey, speaking of which quick, quick. Oh God. <laughs> real quickly. It's going to be a three hour podcast. I had a quick conversation with uh, my son's karate instructor and 
quicker than he, this conversation. We're talking about Jeff Speakman. We're talking about Richard Norton. We're talking about all these guys that he's like friends with. Oh, we're going to so, get us exclusive interviews. There Chad? could be some exclusive interviews coming up. All caps, all caps. When you put that on social media, exclusive, exclusive, even if it isn't just put it in there. Just if I get, an, if I get an interview with Van Damme, it's exclusive. Well, yes. Thank you. Uh, yeah. So yeah, we, we get to the island, as you said, we see all these uh, katas going on, but the big thing that the banquet to welcome the fighters and what a spread they've got here, Chad. Oh, yeah, you're drinking. What a perfect. Sorry. There's, <laughs> there's, there's sumo uh, wrestlers. There's uh, uh, like circus acrobats and there's like whores walking around. <laughs> Actual, um, actual um, horse too. Real life horse. Yeah, real life horse. Um, yeah. Roper is in heaven. It was only like um, one of those dragon, like uh, in in the uh, Chinese New Year celebration. Yeah, there's right? like a guys like in the dragon, five line. guys in a dragon who are just sweating profusely under it. <laughs> They're like so pissed off because they can't see anything. Lots just of birds over each other. too, for some reason. Yeah, it's a really crazy idea. It's like a you know you, you see like a market in like a Renaissance festival. And it's like that, but in a, under one roof. So it's pretty cool looking. I, I, I wish think, I were there. I think it was the same sumo wrestlers from uh, Hard Ticket to Hawaii too, as well. They don't sure. really do much wrestling. They're just kind of like no. rub nipples against each yeah, other, just belly bumping. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's poor. It's not good sumo. And, and they all just like everything pauses too. Yeah. When, when, when Hans, when he gives us in those sumo wrestlers, they're just not moving, and then finally Hans stops talking and. They go back to hugging or playing nipple rubbing yeah. or whatever. Uh, yeah, it's like arm wrestling yeah, but with like, nipples. That's the that's the uh, yeah that's a great scene though. Han comes in, music stops, everybody stops. He welcomes everyone, does a little uh, apple trick, and then he's uh, he's out. And that's when uh, Lee believes he's found Mei Ling, so she is alive. Chad. Yeah. Surprise. <laughs> yeah. So then here's here's something that RTG oh, would have happened yes. to him in his younger yes. days yes. prior to his marriage. Yes. <laughs> After the banquet, he goes to his or everybody goes to the room and women are brought up RTG. Ooh. Oh, and, man. Uh, uh, OK, so so imagine if here you are, you're listening to your music. I uh, you got some headphones on like I got some headphones on right now. Yeah, I'm, I'm just jamming. And all of a sudden, this nice lady brings in about. He has six or seven nice looking uh, ladies and, and you're like, Ooh, they're for me. Awesome. So then you start to just decide, uh, how many do I want to have? And you know, you, so, so you, so you take four of them and then you also make a comment that, you know, you, you had a hard day, you know, so you, so you're kind of tired. So that's why you're only taking four with you. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I would definitely would love to be Jim Kelly right there at that time. I'm not yep. going to lie. I mean, yeah. I mean, he, if he wasn't already like the coolest guy in the yes. movie, Chad, I mean, yes. that scene yeah. right there I mean, pretty much cemented it. I mean, maximum him and those headphones. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that headphone scene, that scene, just once again, every scene he's in, he's stealing, but also you got to remember that he's not doing any interaction whatsoever with, uh, with uh, Lee at all. Like, I don't think they speak to each other the entire film. So that's, yeah, I think, that's- you know, Saxon is definitely second fiddle to Lee's character, which makes yep. Jim Kelly third fiddle. And yep. 
but he is he's kind of like uh that like you said every scene he's in he's he's like it's memorable like he's really cool in it and oh, yeah. he's charismatic yeah so he gets he gets really good lines and he says so a few of the lines that that you are like man shit i remember all his lines and there's only five of them so he must yep. have been a massive character in the film but you know spoiler alert he doesn't last that long in the in the film so um and you know every that scene he, they he gets he, he kills it and you know they actually wanted to switch the roles originally it was going to be kelly that was going to make it and not saxon oh yeah but sack but saxon had his agent change it so because because they were doing like the fighting like so i don't know like if it was at the beginning or when the script or or whatever but but as we keep as as we keep watching i mean how how the film presents itself it actually makes sense the the ending to i mean the outcome to me i mean as we get to it just because of the interactions between roper and lee and the non-interactions between um williams and and lee so it, it it makes sense, but in a perfect world, I think everybody everybody wants Jim Kelly to make it through this movie, right? Just like everybody wanted Steve James to be to make it through Avenging Force, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. So oh, I mean, yeah. yeah, I mean, I mean, this is or everybody wanted Sonny List. Uh, what's what? It's not Sonny Liston, right? From Predator, um, Billy Sonny Bear. Landon. So see, I know. Excuse me, I'm I'm kind of out of it tonight, but yeah, everybody wanted um. Sonny Landham to live. Billy was he Billy Bear in uh, Predator? Or am I thinking Forty Eight Hours? He was Billy. It was just he was Billy. Billy. Okay, and then he was Billy Bear. And for, yeah, everybody wanted Billy to win. You know, because I always say he's too badass to survive. And I've I've brought up that in countless of things. There's always a character that's too badass to survive. And I guess oh, our buddy um, Williams is that in here right. in this film. So Roper. He doesn't want four women. He wants Tanya, uh, mm-hmm. again the assistant to Han. And Lee has a special request of Mai Ling, but of course Lee's not into this like uh, Williams is. Yeah. He's uh, he's all business, Chad. And uh, Mai Ling kind of fills him in on what she knows, and a lot of it is about these the missing girls that you know the the skin trade aspect right. of what uh, Han's doing. Right. So it's it's kind of a, another added element to uh, Han's. Uh, evil behavior on the island you know we already know about uh, we already have like inklings of like some of the bad shit he's doing but now she starts talking about all these missing girls and just the fact that she's still alive like all right we're about to get some more info um from lee or from myling and then of course later in the movie she plays uh, another role in uh in the action if you will she sure does she sure does so then we cut to the next morning and uh, yeah. Yeah. Lee is uh, shows up to this morning ritual, which I guess we kind of saw the uh, first day when they arrived. Um, but he's not, he's out of uniform because I mean, that's classic Bruce Lee. If you remember uh, fist of fury, he was like the only guy in the white suit yeah, and everybody else was in black at the funeral and, and whatnot. So that's classic Bruce Lee. Um, Han shows up, kicks off the tournament. And we get our first matchup, and it's Williams against uh, old New Zealand's own Parsons. And then Roper takes on the big boss's son, which uh, I believe is Tony oh. Liu. But yes, he played the big boss's son. And we, the big also boss. have, we also have some gambling through both of those, oh, those matches. Absolutely. 
Yeah. And, so uh, Roper, this especially, is especially, yeah, might be the only time he actually wins anything, right? Right. Well, yeah, yeah. because he's in direct. Maybe because yeah, he's in direct control of it. Yeah. You know. So he he knows how to do that at least. Um, so that's our tournament. We get like two two fights. You know, I never saw any brackets. I don't understand how this tournament worked. I don't know anything about it other than what we see, and we see two matches, and then we cut to the night, and uh, Lee's not staying in his room, RTG. Old Lee's on the prowl. Yeah, he's got to find out what the hell's going on, right? Absolutely. And so, uh, what does he do? He he's sneaking around. Phone. He's sneaking around. He's, he's, he's okay, he's, he's running around at night, right? This This is the, he's sneaking around, seeing what's up, and this is also when, um, uh, Williams gets out too, right? Williams is out. Yeah, Williams needs a little night air because he's had yeah, another. He, uh... Yeah, he's yeah because yeah. this is this is actually a a different night, right? So this is yeah. this is this is the. What, That's the sound from Williams' that? room. Okay, okay, sorry. Okay, so so he had like I don't know if it was the same four, but he had you know or or four more. So you know he's got a yeah. Little, the first uh, four may not be walking right yeah. this day, so who knows? <laughs> and then isn't um isn't Roper like getting his like back stepped on at the same time as well yeah roper's in, yeah he's a, he's oblivious to what's going yeah, on he, he's, he's in his he's, room enjoying he's, life he's getting banged and and so you know lee's out looking for clues and and actually um williams does see him but i don't know if i don't think lee ever sees him he just sees him up there like oh, oh look there's my buddy out there going to yeah williams is out there lee's finds the entrance to han's underground operation manages to take out some of han's guards um, yeah, and really the only one who saw him and didn't get uh, taken out was Williams. Yeah. Um, so then the next day comes, uh, and it's day two of this tournament with no bracket, and Han is pissed. He's like, someone was, you know, did not follow my rules oh. and and took advantage of my hospitality. Yeah, and they all get fucked up. <laughs> they all get killed. Yeah, instead of he he. Yeah, instead of the people that actually cause the, the uh, they start him. He wants to make an example of the guards and he and what bolo kills them all right does bolo kill all the guards basically yes yeah he murders all the guards in like three seconds bolo destroys them so yeah so we have established bolo clearly as a bad just looking at him didn't tell you he's a badass we now know for sure he's a badass so he's he's the ultimate heel he's the ultimate guy that protects the the main heel right he's the old the ultimate henchman if the sweater didn't give it away, <laughs> the sweater, the the nipples. I mean, he's he's a he's probably top five at least greatest henchman of all time. This Bolo character, maybe. I mean, and this character is so great and so impactful that he basically became Bolo for the rest of his life yeah. because of yeah. that. He changed his name. He changed his name to Bolo after this film. And say, so, you know what? I'm just going to play this character over and over again, except that one time when I played a good guy with like Billy Blanks or somebody years later. He had a couple of good guy ones, but yeah, he, he's definitely in the uh, villain Hall of Fame for sure. Uh, so since we get Bolo and we, we establish what he could do, Chad, it makes sense now that we get to see what Lee can do. And yeah. what a matchup for him in this uh, his first match in the tournament. Yeah, he squares off against o- O'Hara, who, uh, you know, as we said it earlier, 
they've got some history. Whether oh, I don't did, did O'Hara mint like does he recognize who Lee is or does he know I who he is? I don't think so. He has I no don't idea. think so either. Yeah, so he, he no doesn't idea. really get it. But Lee has like this, you know, he's vendetta against him, and he is going to make him pay. Um, and, and O'Hara, you know, he's we see earlier in the little videos that the the British dude showed him, and then. Uh, again, later on about him, he's like breaking boards and you know, smashing bricks and shit, but Lee gets his great quote in boards don't hit back. So that, oh, that's yeah. kind of like that iconic line that he gives. Which um, Bolo kind of paraphrases many years later. He does in Bloodsport. Yeah. And Lee absolutely beats the living shit out of O'Hara. Um, <laughs> yes. And then of course, O'Hara having the, the dishonor of losing so poorly and being the absolute piece of shit that he is, um, he, he kind of attacks Lee again. And uh, Lee, once again, makes him pay the ultimate price. Yeah, yeah he's this, done. And Han one, is, yeah. Han's disgusted by it. Yeah. That was, that was a squash match that would make King Kong Bundy proud. Yeah. It was almost S.D. Jones levels, nine yes. seconds. Nine seconds, yeah. S.D. Jones. That level, is sir. Steamboat and Bundy. Bundy, you big London. fat piece of shit. And SD Jones. SD Jones, Jones, man, got look, SD Jones might have been a jobber, but he got so many women back in the day. He also yeah. got two different LJNs for some yeah, reason. Good shirts in those LJNs. I wear those uh, shirts yeah. in a heartbeat. <laughs> I, I know you would. Uh so yeah, Han is just disgusted. And so the tournament's just over. So I don't like there's not even like uh, there's obviously no bracket. There's really no schedule. It's just on no. Han's whims. I mean, yeah. so they these guys could be here. I mean, if this crap keeps happening, this tournament could go on for about three and a half months. <laughs> no wonder sure. those sumo guys just kept belly flopping each other. Like right. that's they, just all they did. Yeah, they had no root. They were just like, we have to continue this fight because they're getting paid, right? But like a little earlier, I think a Roper made a comment to Williams when he's like, he's like, something's off when they were at the banquet. And he just realizes that they're just trying to fatten them up for, yep. for, for, for the prey. Kill. Yeah, for the yep. kill later. Yeah. So since Williams was outside the night before, some of the guards did spot him. Uh, it, it's, I guess, somewhat logical that Han wants to question him because he thinks Williams may have been the one sneaking around because he was the one seen outside. Nobody saw other than Williams saw Lee. Um, so he's called to Han's study. And Williams is pissed. He's like, no way, man. I didn't do this. I have nothing to do with it. There was somebody else out there. Um, and then the guards are summoned. And Chad, we get to... Well, I'll let you take it from there. Yeah. You know, Williams has already got a thing with authority. You know what I mean? He's been pushed around right. and harassed his whole life. Um, so he, at this point, Han is... is I, they're not outright calling him a liar, but they're just they're asking questions and and Williams he's not a snitch either, so he could have been like, "Yeah, right. bro, that was Lee. I saw that dude sneaking right. around in all black and shit." But he's not a snitch, so he uh, he basically just starts beating the crap out of these guards. Um, they, he runs through them like a, you know, a a hot knife through butter. Hot knife through butter is what uh, you're looking for. Go for it. I said that. I know. I. Hot knife through butter is what he runs through him. Uh, And then, uh, as you so cleverly state, Han takes matters into his own 
hand. Oh, right. We find out that uh, why he's wearing that glove. Yes, indeed. He has uh, different hands that he could put on like a battle android trooper. A vibrating and, uh, hand for lovemaking. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, uh, Williams does have a good death. I mean, he, he, he tries. I mean, he takes out all the goons. And he just, I think, uh, you know, Han, as the evil bad guy, heel, you know, has to cheat a little bit to get that cheap shot in on Williams. And then he falls into that, like, like what is it, like... Uh, What's what's that word? Psych- psychedelic room with some laughing hookers, right? Oh yeah, laughing and hookers. Just, just what a way to, uh, for I guess the the ultimate ladies' man to meet his demise by a bunch of uh, coked out um, hookers laughing at you as you take your last breath. So All right then. then. Yeah. The next up, <laughs> depressing. Roper. Right there. Roper gets to meet with Han and yeah. uh, he gets like the, uh, the uh, $5 tour. He gets to see the museum and then yeah. the secret operations are revealed. Yeah. He's like, this is a, like a recruiting yeah, mission yeah. at this point, Chad. Yeah. He's like, uh, I bet you're wondering why I'm showing you all this. And as a viewer, I'm like, yeah, uh, I think he's going <laughs> to kill him. <laughs> but so he, he shows Roper like here are all the illegal things that we're doing here on the island. What do you think of these these trafficking and drug process? Uh, opium, yes, I do that too. So uh Roper is is, is a little uh concerned, I think, for his own welfare. And then Han basically says, like, I want you to come work with me. I think that would be cool to do that. And I, I think Roper might actually, you know, Roper is different from Williams. We we learned that multiple times throughout the film. Roper is a survivor. Williams is a survivor as well. Williams had, uh, he had values. He had morals. Like he wouldn't go against them. He wouldn't snitch. He like, at at one point Roper's even like, Oh, same old Williams. You know what I mean? Because Williams isn't the kind of guy who would cheat to win or any of that shit. So, but once Roper sees his dead friend hanging from the ceiling, yeah, He's like, all right, no fucking way. Like, it ain't going ha- to happen, bro. Right, yeah. right. Which but is the turning Roper, point for Roper's character. But but also but also Roper, he loves that pussy. I mean, literally. He because He does indeed. He saves that cat <laughs> that he thinks is about to get its head cut off. And yeah. It's just the entrance to the elevator. So he told that cat he had eight more lives. So he, he's definitely a, a ladies' man who loves the pussy cat, you know? So, Yeah. I, I got you, Tom Jones. All right, uh, Lee is on the prowl again. And, uh, bastard. He's using he uses a snake to yeah. get into the radio room. Yeah, if you threw a snake into here right now, I'd be done with this show. Yeah, I, I will done. tell you that right now. Goodbye. I'm, I'm, I'm done. Yeah, I'm done. Goodbye. We're done with this. Uh, just it ends abruptly. I don't care. But yeah, so he throws a snake into the radio room, the radio room that somehow Braithwaite knew about. I guess through through the uh, surveillance. Yeah, sure. Why not? Yeah, uh, that, that works. Yeah, that works. Um, and then uh, the alarm sounds. And we actually covered this on one of our uh, YouTube clips. We did, uh, Chad. Yeah, um, and you could check it out on our YouTube uh, channel. Um, and so yeah, we basically get Lee versus Han's entire forces. Yeah, Lee. Yeah, the, the alarm sounds, and you're like, uh, that sucks for him, but it's great for us because there's about to be uh, serious case of ass whooping being laid out here 
and he doesn't disappoint us. There's about 30 guys that yeah. guards that show up with various weapons and abilities and pretty much all of them are at level zero or one, I think, but they're all terrible. And Lee just runs through them like he would. Uh, and he beats the living shit out of them. Um, we see it. We get to see Lee use uh, like a bow staff. We get to see him use nunchucks, which is kind of his his like iconic weapon right. of choice. Um, and he beats the crap out of everybody. So, um, it, it, including Jackie Chan at one point, Jackie Chan's there and gets hit in the face with a staff. I think. Um, yes. But so. it's a it's an awesome scene. It's one of those scenes that you remember from the film. You know that the the movie has so many cool actions uh, bits in it. And this is the one where Bruce gets to like literally flex his muscles for like seven minutes straight. Yeah, this has got to be Bruce's. It, do you guys agree this is his finest hour in this film? It's, oh yeah, I mean, this yes. is, yeah, like Chad said, it's the Bruce Lee highlight. Yeah, really. yeah. I mean, this is this is totally just this just the speed once again, and he he goes through all his weapons just like Chad said, and he beats the ever living shit out of about thirty jobbers. So yeah, can you get wrong. those? You get those great like. Uh, camera zooms yes where it like zooms in on him and his face you get to see the beads of sweat and the uh it's it's a it's a cool thing that would you would see for the next 15 years in pretty much every martial arts film so yeah han does eventually trap him though uh but and the wheel starts spinning in han's head about okay what are we going to do with this guy because yeah. he's uh, obviously somebody we need to get rid of we either need to get him in the fold or get rid of him Right. Um, so not surprisingly, the next day, Han decides he's going to test his uh, potential business partner, Roper. Yep. And he books old Roper versus Lee. Um, but Roper says, no, I'm not killing Lee for you. So you, you just done pissed off Han. So now, Chad, it's Roper versus Bolo. Right. And again, we see what lengths Roper will go to to win. You know, he'll... He's the kind of guy who gambles. He's the kind of guy who cheats and lie, cheat, and steal. And uh, when it comes to survival, he'll do anything, whatever it takes to win. And he's like biting people and fucking low blowing them and shit. And like, you know, Bolo, you know, whatever his his strengths are, um, he doesn't uh, he doesn't stand a chance when when Roper is willing to go to the links that he's willing yeah. to go to. Yeah, and then Han gets pissed with Bolo and just starts sending his minions after Roper and Lee by name. He knows he's like he's like yeah. uh, Johnson, Sean. bro. Yeah, all, these are all random names I'm making up, not Chinese names. But he's like Steve, Robert, Franklin. Go. He's, it's like what? He know all their names? That's yeah. impressive. Hold on. So so let's let's play a, a what if game. And what if it would have been Williams who survived instead of Roper? Could Williams? had defeated uh, Bolo. Yeah, I, I think it would have been, he probably could have done it more straight up and not have to use as much dirty tactics. So he, he would have been the baby face overcoming the the heel easily. Yes. 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 I think, well, at least he had a chance. I, yeah. Visually, yeah. I could see that fight happening. Yeah. Where, yeah, when you look at Roper versus Bolo, you're like, oh, Roper has no chance. No chance at all. But and, Roper proves us all wrong. And you would have had a, a dead Roper and possibly... Williams seeing that his friend was dead because you know they were friends they served a nom together and they randomly meet six years later but hey that's okay but uh so it would have had that like that jolt of energy behind him too like hey I gotta avenge my friend and maybe with Roper too he was trying to because even though Roper was 
he cheated, you know, he gambled, he, he, he loved all the finer things in life and some of the shadier things in life. But I can honestly say that he was friends with Williams and that death really took him, you know, he was, he was shook by that death. And so I think he used some of that energy too, to beat Bolo's ass because I mean, true. I, I would, I was thinking like, why do they pick, you know, Saxon to fight Bolo instead of Bruce Lee? Like why did, I, I guess, I don't know if it was his, if it was Bruce's idea or cause you know, you had all these different minds, you know, you had the chi- uh, chi- Hong Kong filmmakers, American filmmakers together. Like whose decision was this to have like probably the baddest ass person in the film next, next to Lee, of course, get beat by John Saxon. I mean, just, with, yeah, yeah. I, I just, I just don't know. I mean, I mean, I mean, I'm, I'm cool with it. I mean, I'm cool with it because. Well, I'm it, glad uh, because there's no changing it. At this yeah, point. I mean, I, I think, mean, we, we, we can't change it, but, but why? I think it's smart booking, right? You know, Bolo is this uh, right, otherworldly yeah. strong character, and he loses, but he loses. You know, like, this is how you would book a wrestling match. Right. He saves, it's a dirty he win. Saves some, right. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Yep. He, yeah. he still has his heat. Is what exactly. you would say in, in, in the rest of high, high heel heat would still be, he would still have that heat, no doubt. I don't think he wore high heels. He did wear a sweater, though. Okay, so yeah. now let's talk about it. While there's all this chaos going on with with uh, the fighters, you pointed this out earlier, yeah. Chad. My Ling, is, she's down in the uh, the dungeon oh, freeing yeah. prisoners. And now, things, now all hell's about to break loose. Yeah, all the black pajama guys are getting released from their prison cells and they're all, you know, malnourished and tired and beat down. But just wait till they get up on the tennis courts, bro. They ain't no pickleball up there. They're about to whoop some ass. That adrenaline kicks in and they're ready. They're free and they're just they're feeling it. Um, And Han, he sees this going on. He puts on a claw hand and makes a run for it. Uh, But Lee, nah, he's not going to let this happen. He spots uh, Han. And goes after him, and these two end up meeting in the museum that we saw earlier. And Han switches over to the blade hand, and Lee shows up. And uh, just a great line here from Lee: "You have offended my family, and you have offended the Shaolin Temple." And we get the final fight, Chad, and just uh, an iconic scene about to come up. Yeah, it's an incredible fight scene because. Um, we talked about how, how the Roper Bolo fight was booked. And I think this one is, is, is booked to perfection, right? You know, you're, you're in the, the setting that you're in is, is advantageous to Han. He has a weapon. Part of, part of his body is a weapon. His hand is a weapon, a bladed weapon, no, no less. And, and he, we continue to see that the only strikes he gets on, on Lee are really just this blade slashing him. And, and they remain on his body the entire time, right? We can see them happening. And it's not really stopping Lee, but it's just pissing him off every time he gets cut a little bit more. But but Han is still getting his ass whooped, and, and like to a serious degree. You know, Lee is like straight like punting his head. <laughs> like there's a couple yeah. of cuts yes. where he is just Lee like laying waste. Yeah. Oh my God, the kick that it's just like, you know, <laughs> it's just like his whole body just destroyed uh but it and it's so great and of course it 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 all flows into this room that was foreshadowed earlier with the 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 false images and this and that but into that mirror room that that everybody remembers from this film 
Yeah. Yeah. yeah th- those mirrors, man. I mean, what, what a way to film a scene too. I mean, this is, this is one of the most memorable scenes again. Like you're always going to think about like this hall of mirrors. It's just, it's just well filmed. You know? and, and yeah, I think it obviously was the inspiration. I don't know if you saw John wick three, but the uh, fight with uh, John wick and uh, Mark Dacosco's character. Mm-hmm. There you I go. Mean, yep. yep. Very similar uh, setup. Very, there. Yeah, very, very similar. I agree. So after Han dies, uh, spoiler alert, uh, the cavalry shows up. Uh, we kind of get Lee and Roper giving each other that respectful look. And that's it. Uh, one of the greatest martial arts films in history is all done. And uh, what, uh, what a film. Uh, Chad, your final thoughts. Man, what a what a great film! I mean, it it really hits on everything that you would want a martial arts film to hit on, and the lingering effects of of how great it was continue on today. You know, you can't watch a, a martial arts tournament movie. You can't watch Mortal Kombat and be like, "Oh shit, that's basically End of the Dragon." You know, a bunch of guys get invitations to go to a tournament. Uh, there's a guy who's like secretly undercover. You know, it's not Sonya Blade, but it's Lee, and uh, there, there's just so many connections that you can make with uh, with modern day film and video games and stuff like that and and not to mention bruce lee essentially created mixed martial arts in a certain way uh he he took martial arts film mainstream he was a star he hung out with stars he trained with guys major uh you know legitimate quote unquote legitimate uh fighters you know guys like ed parker and chuck norris and joe lewis like loved and respected bruce lee like he he essentially is the godfather of martial arts in a way and the fact that he was taken away so quickly makes him that much more uh, amazing so this movie is, is kind of like that swan song for him it's a, it's like that one he's not a one-hit wonder but this hit was unbelievable and it, it really, when you watch this one, if it's your first time viewing it and your first Bruce Lee film, it like, it almost forces you to go back and watch his other stuff, which is what, yeah. a, a, you know, yeah. if you're an actor and you make one movie and someone watches it and you're like, I got to see all his other shit. Like you've, you've hit the nail on the head. You've done the right thing. That's, that's what you want. Yep. RTG. Yeah. So enter the dragon is definitely is, like I said before, his most accessible film. And really for a lot of people, growing up this could have been like your only exposure to bruce lee because his other films were not as readily available as enter the dragon was because enter the dragon what was the first like u.s theatrical release for for lee and it played over and over and over on the superstation in the 80s because i can guarantee you it did because it played before georgia championship wrestling and after (laughs) georgia championship wrestling so uh growing up watching I mean, really watching all three of these guys, you know, Saxon, um, Kelly and, and Bruce Lee. And, and just thinking about this movie and just, just how, just how influential Bruce Lee is. And just, we just would not have just so much stuff today without this guy. And, and Bruce, like, like we're, we're getting, we're hearing about Bruce now, even today, like with, uh, the way, uh, with Quentin Tarantino, with, uh, once upon a time in Hollywood is kind of his caricature of uh, Bruce Lee. And just recently, I think uh, he was on the Rogan podcast because uh, Shannon did not like the way Bruce was pro- portrayed in that film, but you got to what with Lee. I mean, he was always fighting to prove himself too. And that's, that's the thing. Like 
because you look at him, how what is he like 160 pounds at the most soaking wet? I mean, he was never he was never huge, and he was always had like people were trying to like fight him on fight him on stage, like extras were trying to fight him during the film because he was he always had to prove himself. And and the crazy thing is, is he was the best at what he did, and and he's probably he's the he's the all time best. And but he but he he never got to like go out. The sad thing is, is like he never got to see his success. I mean, because people were constantly challenging. I mean, I mean, this was a time when they didn't think an an, an someone of Asian like an he was he he was an American, but I mean, an Asian American could carry a film, which is total bullshit because Bruce Lee is just totally awesome. But I mean, all the things he had to go through, like I mean, when he was Cato and like he. You know, I mean, just these caricatures he, that he had to play. And he said the only reason why he got the part was because he could actually pronounce, like, the name correctly. He was the only, like, Asian actor that could pronounce the name correctly. And so he <laughs> so he never got to see the success of, of – and it is sad, really. I mean, I mean, I mean, and then his son, you know, his son gets killed in the prime of what could have been. I mean, it's 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 what could have been with Brandon, and, and it's this legacy that Bruce brought, and – and Enter the Dragon is, I mean, everybody needs to watch Enter the Dragon. If you haven't seen Enter the Dragon, uh, just just watch it. It's actually on the Criterion. It's, it's an awesome disc. I mean, I own Enter the Dragon on blue. Like, I think I got at least three copies. There's actually two versions of it on there. There's a theatrical one that's kind of rare that runs 99 minutes. And that's the one I actually watched today. And it's a little bit different than the uh, extended version that most people watch. It's like the 102-minute version. But um, I guess just to sum up everything, I'd say that, I mean, there's only going to be one dragon, man. And I'm just thankful that Bruce got to live. I mean, that Bruce lived. I mean, that we that we had him for 32 years. Right. I mean, I, I wish we still had him, but I'm just so thankful that we're able to sit here today and talk about the legacy. And I have nothing but awesomeness. I mean, I mean, what are we covering today, guys? We're covering Warrior um, based on the writings of, of Bruce Lee. Uh, we're about to have a uh, Snake Eyes with a um you know with these with these guys who maybe would not be lead actors if it wasn't for bruce lee bruce lee right. broke ground he, he he's a groundbreaking he's he's phenomenal and he he broke the stereotypes he and it's just why like, like i said i wish he could have seen it because yeah. damn i sure do appreciate him man yeah I mean, what you talked about it in uh, Rumble in the Bronx, how that was like the perfect movie for the American audience to get introduced to Jackie Chan. This was obviously the perfect movie to introduce American audiences to Bruce Lee. But unlike Jackie Chan, uh, Bruce was not able to uh, capitalize on that and, and continue on uh, due to his untimely deaths. Uh, but definitely glad that we are able to come on here and remember the great Bruce Lee here on this sad anniversary. Uh, like you said, RTG definitely only going to be one of him in our lifetime, maybe in everyone's lifetime. Uh, yeah. So there it is. Enter the dragon. And uh, we're about to wrap things up. I do want to plug our Twitter at Bulletproof pod. And of course, Instagram and Facebook, we are at Bulletproof action and Chad next time out. Mm-hmm. We're going to be talking about another just iconic film from 1987. Yeah, we're about to get ultra violent on some asses. Um, mm-hmm. Little part man, part machine story. Little oh shit. Little uh, pull the pistol out of the uh, the leg area story. 
Oh yeah. Oh uh, yeah. Little toxic killing story mm-hmm. being thrown from a window of a skyscraper story. It we'll talk about RoboCop. Wow. RoboCop. It is going to be our next wow. one. It's our first in August. It all of August. We're going to be celebrating uh, the seven year action anniversary. I like to call it of bulletproof yeah. action and our first of three episodes mm-hmm. in August will be RoboCop. And then after that one, eye of the tiger. Oh shit. Oh shit. I get, I, I, I bet you, I know who's the guest star is going to be for that one. Who's that? Gary Busey. The person who knows the most about cocaine and Gary Busey. That's right. RTG <laughs> will be back with us for our eye of the tiger episode. And then we got a big one for the actual seventh anniversary. I'm going to keep that under wraps just right now. Yeah, of course you don't invite me for the big one. Thanks, guys. So you said you weren't, but now that you said that, you're off the list. (laughs) Oh, snap. Cracking away. Here's what I'm going to put right here. Fuck you, RTG. (laughs) Okay, thank you. I will. I think we are about out of time. This is our our longest episode by far, I believe. Uh, But Bruce deserves it. He does. uh, you all deserve it as well. We love to provide you content, bulletproof uh, action fans or action fanatics, if you will. So for RTG and Chad Cruz, I'm Chris the Brain. Thank you for listening. And as always, stay tuned for more of the Bulletproof Podcast. Hi, Geekscapists. The Geekscape podfather, Jonathan, here. In May, we lost one of our own, longtime Geekscapist Christopher Ellis, who was a friend and a part of our geek community from the very beginning. Chris even met his wife, Sarah, through our podcast, and their 2015 wedding seemed like a giant Geekscape party. Chris's final weeks battling in the hospital shed light on a huge national problem. The COVID pandemic has almost completely depleted our national and local blood banks. These supplies are used by thousands of hospitals to provide life-saving treatments to patients or to buy enough time for loved ones just to say goodbye. So for the next month and beyond, we're going to do it big in Chris's memory and do some good in the process. We're throwing a blood drive. Visit www.aabb.org to find a donation center near you or visit other blood and platelet donation centers like the Red Cross. And let's make things interesting. For the next month, take a selfie of yourself donating with the hashtag GeekscapeGives and tag your favorite Geekscape podcast. We'll pick some charitable Geekscapists to send prizes to, and the podcast that gets mentioned the most will also get some cool rewards. I should actually cancel the podcast that gets mentioned the least. Can I do that? Whatever. The point is, go out there and donate some blood, tag a selfie of yourself doing it with the hashtag GeekscapeGives, and get others to do the same. We couldn't save our friend Chris, but we can do a whole lot of good in his name. Geekscape forever! You're listening to the Geekscape Network. 